All right, so we're in lesson six today. We're going to look at the rapture, which is in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13 through 18. And so I've been kind of anticipating this lesson. We're going to take actually two weeks to talk about the rapture. We're going to look today at what the scripture says from this passage about the rapture. Next week, we're going to look at the different views concerning the rapture. There are different views out there. I need you to be aware of them. Now, I've, I've, kind, of, I've kind of had mixed feelings about talking about this because um, two things. Number one, I, it's probably been a few years now, probably 10 years, maybe eight years, now. I don't know how many. But one time we had a couple come and visit us, and the, the first thing out of the guy's mouth when he came in here, after the Sunday school, we were going through the book of Revelation at the time, chapter 4, and uh, he said, I missed the first part of your message. Did you talk about the rapture? It was in chapter 4, the throne room of God, and I was like, well, we're, in the, we're talking about the throne room of God. And he said, well, I heard you guys don't talk about the rapture there. I said, well, we believe the rapture. And, and I, and, and so that kind of bothered me, it bothered me for a lot of reasons, like is that the word that's out there, is that we don't believe in the rapture here? But it also kind of irritated me because, you know, hey, there's a whole lot more in the Bible than the rapture. And so if you're going to be teaching the word of God, you can't keep bringing the rapture in every message. Do, do, do you understand what I'm saying? And I know some churches try to do that. So that, that really bothered me. So I, I just want to, I'm glad we're doing this lesson so that we can articulate what our position is here, okay? Uh, the other thing is, I was, I was having a conversation with my daughter this morning. I, I'm kind of, I, I'm not, I, I get bothered, not by Christians, but by our culture, Christian culture. And what I find is I'm really disturbed that people are more educated by works of fiction than they are by the Bible. What do I mean? Well, if you talk to people today about the rapture, they probably couldn't point out where in the Bible the doctrine is. But they read the Left Behind series so they know what's going to take place. And the problem is, is Left Behind series, that's fine, but you need to understand, you guys know it's a work of fiction. It's kind of like, you remember years ago the, the historical fictions about the Civil War? You know, it's kind of a, like a hist like a prophetic fiction. It has just enough Bible, but everything else is somebody's imagination. Okay, and and so so people tell me when the rapture happens, there are going to be planes flying, and the pilots going to disappear, and cars are going to be careening everywhere, and a lot of oh. okay, that's wonderful. That's somebody's imagination because that's not in the text. You don't know what's going to happen. And God doesn't tell us everything that's going to happen, okay? Like, for instance, I was, I, uh, was reviewing some notes for uh, a teaching that I have to do in Revelation in the fall, and um, John hears the voice of the seven thunders. You ever heard of the voice of the seven thunders? It's in John. It's in Revelation. And he gets ready to write them down, and he's commanded, the Scripture says, he's commanded not to write them down. So he doesn't. So we don't know what the voice of the seven thunders said. You know what the biggest thing you need to gather from that passage is? We will never know everything that takes place in the future. 
There are some things that God does not tell us. But he tells us just enough for us to understand. And what we're going to see today in this passage is he tells us about the rapture. This is one of two specific passages that talk about the rapture. There's only two passages that talk about the rapture. Well, I heard there are many more. If you look at what they're saying, you have to read into it to come up with their assumption. But here's the thing. You don't need more than two. How many of you believe in the virgin birth of Jesus Christ? There's only one verse that talks about that. You believe based on one verse, right? Okay. You don't need to have a whole plethora of verses. Because what we're going to see here today is, is that Paul is going to tell us some things that are might you might not even be aware of. What do you mean? Well, we're going to see here in a moment, but here's the point. The rapture is real. We're going to see that it's real, but it's not. It's for a purpose, you knowing it. And we're going to talk about that purpose today. So let's look at the passage. We're going to look at verses 13 through 18, okay? But I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, and the voice of an archangel, and the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. Okay, so let's, let's take a look here. What's going on? Why, why is he talking about this? Remember now, this is one of the first letters he's written. He's writing the Thessalonians, and they've had some false prophets there who've come by, who are, de who are deceiving them and, and ha having them be confused about certain things. And they probably had somebody, people come by and, and tell them, scholars think that they've had some people come by and tell them that the second coming has already happened. And they missed it. Okay? They missed it. Now, folks, stop for a moment. We have that today. We have people telling you today that he's come. We've got people telling you today that he came back in AD 70. We've got people who tell you he came back last week. I mean, the fact of the matter is nothing's changed. Okay? So they, these Thessalonian believers were all worked up about it. They were, they were confused. They were distraught. It was shaking their faith. So Paul's got to address this issue. So here's what he's going to do. He's going to first talk about believers who had died. Verse 13. Paul did not want them to be ignorant about those who died waiting for Jesus' return. So, I mean, they're like, okay, what, what about those who died? What happened to them? Paul doesn't want them to be ignorant about that. So this is a good thing for you and I to understand, too. 
we're not, so that we're not ignorant about loved ones, and we all have loved ones who know Jesus who've died, right? Okay? We don't want you to be ignorant. Here's what he says. They were concerned that dead believers would not be a part of the second coming. They thought they missed it. They're not going to be a part of it. They missed it. They're not going to be a part of it. He will instruct them so that they do not grieve like those who don't have an eternal hope. What is he saying? Okay. I think all of us here dread funerals, right? Am I correct in saying that? They're hard. It's not what we talk about. And usually when family brings it up, especially if a loved one is older or sick, we don't really want to talk about it because we don't want to even recognize that there's going to be a time when somebody's going to pass away and they're going to be gone. Now, if you're a believer, you have a hope for your loved one, right? That if they pass on, you're going to see them again, right? That's the hope we have, okay? But if you don't hold to Christianity and you have a fatalistic view, which our secular society basically has, that death is it, that's it, you're not going to see them anymore, it's over, it's done. When someone dies then, the grieving is actually pretty more intense because there is no hope there. They have no hope in grieving. That person is gone. Do you understand? So he's saying here, look, I'm going to give you some instructions. I'm going to tell you, help you to correct some things in your thinking because I don't want you to grieve when someone dies like someone who doesn't have a hope. Do you understand what I'm saying? I don't want you to look at this like somebody who has no hope of the resurrection, no hope of Jesus coming back. I don't want you to grieve like an unbeliever. That's the issue here. I don't want you to grieve like an unbeliever. Do you understand? When we talk about death. All right, now stop for a moment. This is why he's getting ready to introduce the doctrine of the rapture. He's talking about hope and comfort. Keep that in the back of your mind. Hope and comfort. All right, so let's go on. Paul stated that Christians believe the gospel in that Jesus died and rose again. Look, you're not a Christian if you don't believe that Jesus died and rose again. You've got to believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. First of all, there is no forgiveness if there is no resurrection. Does everybody understand? So he's reminding them what they believe. You believe that Jesus died and rose again. You believe the gospel that, Je that Jesus died and rose again. Now, he also stated that those who have died as believers will be with Jesus. So he's right off the bat, he says, before I tell you what's going to happen, I need you to understand that those who die in Christ, who die as believers, they're going to be with Jesus. All right, so everybody understand that. Everybody who dies who is a believer, who has been saved, is going to be with Jesus. Bottom line, period. No one's left out. 
He's not going to forget anybody. All right? You're going to be with Jesus. That's what he's saying here. So now he gets to verse 15 through 17, and he's going to describe the rapture. Okay? He's going to describe the rapture. Look with me at verse 15, the very first part. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord. Okay, stop for a moment. How many of you have read through the Gospels? Okay. Do you recall anywhere in the Gospels, if you don't, if you say, I'm not sure, George, that's fine, I'm just asking. Does anybody here recall in the Gospels where Jesus mentioned anything that even looked like or described the rapture? Anybody? There's an answer. It's either yes or no. Okay, no. Okay, these two guys are stepping out there on the plank, ready to get knocked off. No, okay? How many of you say, I don't know? How many of you say, I don't care? Okay, here's the point I want you to see. Here's the issue. No, Jesus never talked about it in the Gospels. In the record that we have in the New Testament of Jesus' words, we do not have him talk about this at all. So where... Did Paul get this? Where did Paul get this? Anybody got a clue? Before I tell you what's going on here? Uh, not, no, 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 not really. Okay. Okay, that's possible. Bruce is saying, well, maybe Jesus mentioned it, but they didn't record it in the Gospels. Okay, that's possible. All right. Anybody else got a clue? Okay, maybe God gave who a direct revelation? Paul a direct revelation. All right, give that man, we don't do cigars here, give that man a cup of coffee, okay? All right, that's exactly what's going on here. Paul tells his readers that Jesus is the source of his teaching concerning the gospel. Now you say, wait a minute, George, I don't know that I agree with that. Are you telling me that Jesus told Paul something he didn't tell the other 12? Yeah, I'm telling you that. How can you support that? 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Turn there. Jesus did this one other time with Paul. 1 Corinthians chapter 11. I want you to notice, because remember now, Paul's an apostle. So we're talking about somebody who has a special relationship with God, There are no apostles today. This is before the New Testament is written. 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Look with me at verse 23. Listen to what he says. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you. Then he goes on and talks about the elements of communion, the communion service. Paul says he received from the Lord. Now, remember now, when Jesus instituted the Lord's Supper, that was in the upper room. Who was there? The 12. Was Paul among the 12? No, Paul was not among the 12. So the Lord Jesus came to Paul in his early years of discipleship, 
some believe during the time in which he was in Arabia for 14 years, and taught him and showed him things. We know that God showed him things. We know in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, he saw things that were not lawful for him to even utter. When he was taken to the third heaven. So the Lord Jesus showed him things. I'm telling you, so this doctrine is something, the doctrine of the rapture, Yeah, Jesus didn't mention it in the gospel, but Paul's telling us here what? He taught it to me. He showed me. Okay? All right, so, all right, stop for a moment. Let's kind of be the devil's advocate here. Do you think that invalidates the doctrine now? Okay, Bruce says no. Do you think? Because a critic would say, well, I don't know if I believe that now, because how can you be sure he was right? Yeah. Okay, in verse, which one? All right, look down here at verse 15. For this we say, he's all, when he says we, he's talking about he and his companions. Do you understand what I'm saying? We, he's talking about we teaching is that when he came to them, it was, if it was the, this would have been the second uh, journey, it would be that he had with him Silas, Okay? If you remember, look at the front. I understand that part. Okay. Okay. Yeah, so he probably, let's see here, if we believe, okay. This we say to you by the word of the Lord. Well, you could take it that way, Bruce, or they probably, I would say that Paul even taught his companions. Do you understand what I'm saying? So you could take it either way. Okay, but the point is, is it came from Jesus. That's the point. Yes, and it doesn't does matter who he revealed it to. He revealed things to Moses about creation. Yep. Okay. So yes. Okay. Good. All right. Now, all right. So let's take a look here. So he tells his readers that Jesus is the source of this teaching concerning the rapture. Okay. Let's go on. Believers who are alive at the coming of Jesus will not precede believers who are dead. All right, now what is he talking about here? Well, when Jesus Christ comes back in the rapture, okay, when he comes back, the believers who are alive are not going to go be with him before those who are dead. He wants to make that point. The dead in Christ aren't going to be left behind. Their bodies aren't going to be left behind. Do you understand? So we're going to be taken bodily, but it's like, okay, well, what about the people who died? Well, God, we're going to see here, we're not going to precede them. Why? At the shout of an angel and the sound of a trumpet, Jesus himself will descend. So Jesus is going to come for his bride. Now, who's the bride? The church. Who's the church? People. He's not coming for the building. Okay? He's not going to take the building. Okay? He's coming for the people. Now, but you have a loved one who died. Does that mean I go to be with Jesus before that body of my loved one gets resurrected? No, no, no. no. That's not what I'm saying here. He's not saying that. All right? What he's saying is, is as Jesus descends, those who have died as believers in Christ will rise first. The dead in Christ will rise first. 
Now, stop for a moment. This is where your imagination could take over, but we're not going to go there. Because there are so many different scenarios. What about the person who got burned alive and all that's left is just a few little bones? How's that happen? I don't know. The Bible doesn't tell you. The Bible just tells you they're going to be raised first. Okay? What about the one that got eaten by a shark and, and he got, went through the digestive tract and who knows where he is on the bottom of the ocean? I don't know. It doesn't matter. Jesus says the dead in Christ will what? Rise first. And trust me, it's not going to be a little part of it or everything. They're going to rise up bodily. Do you understand? They're going to rise up bodily to meet him. So stop for a moment. This is not a spiritual thing. You've got to make the distinction. What do you mean it's not a spiritual thing? Well, some people like to say that Jesus comes back spiritually. No, no. We're talking about it being bodily. When you get raptured, you're not leaving your carcass behind and your spirit goes to be with him. You go. You become transformed. Do you understand? So, all right, let's go on. So the believers who are alive will be caught up. Now notice I put in the word raptured. Caught up or raptured with those who had been dead. Oh, I'd say it's been five years now. Five years ago, I did a conference in China, in Hong Kong, going over the book of Revelation. And we talked about the rapture from this passage. And I was talking about getting caught up, caught up, caught up. And one of the Chinese pastors there said to me, they asked my translator, what does he keep saying, caught up, caught up, caught up? Our translation says raptured. I was like, what? So I, I had her read to me from the Chinese translation, translate, and the Chinese translation uses the word rapture. Do you understand? We, our English translation says caught up. The Chinese translation says rapture. Now, who wrote the Chinese translation? This guy by the name of Robert Morrison. When did he write it? At the end of the 18th century, around the time of the founding of the United States. He was a missionary to China. Now, people who like to say that the rapture isn't true today, they say that it's a fairly new doctrine, that it, that it existed in the, 19, the, the late 1900s, which would be the late 18, like 1880 or something, to a guy by the name of Darby, who was a Plymouth Brethren. And that's where dispensationalism came from. But no, here's a guy who's writing the translation back a hundred and some years before that, who translates the Chinese text, and he's, and he's recording the word, are you listening to me? He's using the Chinese word, what? Rapture. Do you understand what I'm saying? Rapture. So, Oh, that's just a side note. So he's saying here is that believers who are alive are going to be caught up, or if you prefer the word, raptured to meet Jesus in the air. You say, I'm scared of heights. You're not going to care. 
Did you understand what I'm saying? Fears will be gone. Do you understand what I'm saying? You're not going to care. Fears will be gone. All right, let's go on. So here's what he says. We will meet Jesus in the air. Now, he hasn't physically returned. Okay? Now, some people like to say that this passage is describing the second coming. Now, we're going to see that next week when we talk about the views of the rapture. Uh, you can maybe take make it that way, but the point is, is he didn't return. Okay? So this is completely different from what you read in Revelation chapter 19. Do you understand? Revelation chapter 19, this is completely different. So what we see here is an event where believers, the dead in Christ shall rise first, believers who are alive will all be caught up, raptured to meet Jesus where? In the air, okay? In the air. And then notice something, it says that we'll always be with him. Okay? Paul tells his readers that from that moment on, believers will always be with Jesus. Period. So when I read in Revelation chapter 19, and it says that Jesus comes back on a white horse with a sword out of his mouth, and following him are, are those who are clothed in white with crowns on their heads, a multitude who are with him. It's not angels that it's describing there. It's describing who would be clothed in white with crowns on their heads, saints. Who's going to be with Jesus when he finally comes back to conquer the world? Who? Us. Us. And, but you don't have to worry. You say, I, I'm not a, I'm, I don't like fighting. You don't have to fight. Jesus says it with his mouth. He speaks the word. It's over. Did you understand what I'm saying? He speaks the word. It's over. Now, Jesus tells them that they are to comfort and encourage each other with this truth. They are to comfort and encourage each other with this truth. All right, now stop for a moment. This is the purpose of you knowing this doctrine. The purpose of you knowing this doctrine is to what? Comfort and encourage. What do you mean comfort? Because until Jesus comes back, is there going to be death? Our loved one's going to die? Better com- you can comfort one another. Why? We've got to hope. We will see them again, and we'll always be with them, right? What's the encouragement here? Hey, how many of you had life happen this week? You didn't like life, but it happened. You had life happen last week. What do you mean, life, George? Well, I mean, what does life normally have for us? Difficulty. How do you hang on? You have a hope. Have a hope in what? One day I'm going to be with Jesus. Whether he comes for me or I die, I'm going to be with Jesus. I'll be with him always. Hope. See, this is the point. You understand, you could spend your time reading these novels or or spend your time wondering, okay, what's it going to be like if you're on the plane and the pilot disappears? And Why are you worrying about that? Do you know what I'm saying? Why are you worrying about that? You know? So I'm just telling you, focus on what the Scripture says. Because the point of the passage is to comfort and encourage each other. You say, oh, George, you're just saying that. No, look with me. 
Look at what that verse says. Therefore, what's the therefore? It's referring to what he just talked about. Because of what I just shared with you, Paul is saying, comfort one another with these words. The rapture thing needs to be an encouragement that there's something better. Keep plugging on. Something better. Keep plugging on. 